Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. We're just going to dive right in this morning and start with Luke chapter 8, verse 16. It says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. And there's just a few points I want to make about candles as we kick this off. First of all, candles only work as long as there is wax to consume. Once the wax is gone and there is nothing left to give, the fire goes out. The longer the candle burns, the brighter the fire gets, the higher the flame, as more and more of the wax gets burned away. So the higher the flame gets, the more effective the candle gets at burning away the wax. In Hebrews 12.29, it says, For our God is a consuming fire. And a lot of us want to look like we have the light of Christ in our lives, but we aren't willing to have anything consumed. We're not willing to give anything up. Our fire is just our words, but there's absolutely no fuel for the fire. Candles only work as long as there's something being sacrificed. And so the longer we burn for Christ, the more effective we should be getting at using up our resources for the glory of God. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. So what is increasing in our lives? God's consumption of our resources or our own consumption of our resources? Are we like the functional candle that we grab as soon as the power goes out so there's light in the house? Are we more like one of those expensive candles that's carved and ornamental that we would never actually light because it's too precious to us to be useful? I mean, seriously, as a Christian, am I a candle being consumed by the light of God, or am I too precious to myself to be consumed so that others can see? I mean, what is the target? Christian success? (laughs) I mean, seriously, we, we feel like we're blessed and that we must be doing well because of all the goals we're reaching in our life like making progress on investments or our careers or our retirement, talking about all this stuff in our lives as if, you know, all this wax that's piling up uh, is, is a sign that God has favor on us for our faithfulness. Yes, we are all blessed to have the things that we have, but don't get hung up on that. God gave us free will. Of course, we hit the target of increase. We were aiming at it. But that's the American dream. Lost people get up every day and live the same dream with the same goals. I'm glad we're blessed. That's great. I'm glad we have nice things. That's great. I'm glad we have the comforts that wealth provides. That's great. But that's the American dream. Who's living God's dream? I mean, who's chasing God's design for our lives? We need a better target. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was pressing toward the mark, the target of God's will. What is our target? When we see what the world's target is, and it's depressing to see how many people work just as little as possible. I mean, it's almost a form of self worship. How much money do I need to get by? How much money do I need to get what I want? How much do I need to retire? How soon can I stop producing and start consuming? Why do we work so hard? for the skills that we gain, just so we can quit using them as soon as possible. We act like our gifts and our abilities are just for our own benefit, our own provision. I mean, big deal if we're successful. What are we successful for? 
What is the target? God's target in Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God put each and every one of us on this earth to do something. I have skills nobody else has. I have experience nobody else has. I have character that nobody else has. Nobody else can do like I can. Psalm 139.14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I mean, why? (laughs) What is the reason I made this unique? So I can just enjoy myself, my own success, my own company? 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God made me unique so I could fit into the lives of others the way I am needed, the way that only I can. Is anybody benefiting from the gifts that God gave me? The target of a good steward is how much can I do with what I have? How much money can I make to help others? How much of what I want can I do without? Can I serve God more or less if I retire? In what ways can I keep producing until I breathe my last breath? One of the most debilitating diseases in our life is our addiction to comfort. We are drowning in a comfort crisis at every moment. I mean, we don't just want to be comfortable. We demand it. We shape our entire lives around comfort, sacrificing almost anything meaningful to maintain it. We search and study and change to make sure that we set ourselves up. Not to follow a meaningful purpose. No, no, no. No but to make sure that we get the right benefits, the right insurance, the right vacation package, the right retirement package. We're more focused on what we can get out of our work we perform than the fact that there is work to be done. We want the passion, the peace, the joy of our salvation, but we won't find it in the lazy boy. Passion and peace and joy of salvation is when I can say I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. It's when I know in my heart that I have spent all my strength, all my love, and all my time poured out on the altar of life. And this is a hard one, but it shouldn't be. Heaven is God's retirement plan. (laughs) That means death is God's retirement age. When did Joseph retire? When did Daniel retire? When did John the Baptist retire? When did the disciples retire? When did Paul retire? Now, I want to make this point clearly and carefully. It's not that one can't leave a place of employment or quit or retire from a job. That is not the point. But one never retires from their service to God. Consider the fact that if we don't have to clock in somewhere to sustain our survival, the accountability with what we do use our time for goes way up. Retirement, as the world defines it, should be a beautiful thing for a Christian. The time and energy that can go into serving God should just explode once there isn't the burden of employment. Where Satan gets us is when we stop producing. Because if there is no wax to be burnt, the fire goes out. Whether we're too busy relaxing or too busy chasing the American dream, we fall because the target is to please ourselves rather than to please God. So what is my target? I'm old enough now that I'm actually starting to get to a place where I'm not struggling financially. And it forces me to ask myself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And where am I going with all of this? It's easy to see the purity of motives when it's, I need food or I need shelter. But everything changes when I'm blessed enough to start asking the question, what do I want? I work door to door working on HVAC systems, and I see that question answered a lot of different ways in people's lives. On a typical day, I'll get to interact with four to five different families. 
And I've been raised to understand that it's important to keep your motives in the right place. But it's so much more meaningful when you start to see the results in the hearts of different people. I mean, I've, I've stood and listened to dozens of people who have made it. I'm talking wealthy, living the dream, retired, healthy, and absolutely miserable. They complained about the weather. They complained about the government. They complained about the fact that they had to pay to have something worked on. I mean, you really learn a lot about people when you hand them a bill. I have literally walked past two new cars in the garage, up and down the steps of their gorgeous three-story house, past the large screen televisions in every room to their marble countertop in the kitchen, where they stand, downcast, shoulders slumped, checkbook in hand, devastated that they aren't as blessed in that moment as they thought they should be. And I have to ask, what happened to their heart? Why are people so unhappy when they have everything they were aiming for? And I think the misery comes from the fact that a lot of us don't finish the course. We are created to produce, and in the moment we quit producing and start consuming, our fire starts to die. Once I become an absorber instead of a producer, I feel cheated every time I have to give because it takes away from what I reserved for me. It quickly becomes the government is out to get me, the neighbors are out to get me, the repairman is out to get me, my kids are out to get me. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, but it's painful to give because there's no longer a stream of blessings to draw from. When we quit producing, our resources become a pool instead of a stream, and it's a finite source that we compete for against everything else in our lives. Here's what Psalms 92, 12, and 14 tell us about finishing our course God's way. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to shew that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. As Christians, there should be no peak in our life. We don't ascend to success and then slide down the other side, selfishly enjoying all the fruits of our labor. Our lives are designed to be a continuous upward trajectory, growing, flourishing, and yielding fruit. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It says he will perform a good work in you until the day of Jesus Christ, not until the day you have everything you need. God wants to perform in our lives and God doesn't quit. God wants to take the good work he's performing in you all the way to the end, till the curtain closes. Why are we going to the grave healthy? We should be exhausted when we die. I want to be totally used up and worn out for the glory of God. I want my hands to hurt from working. I want my back to be bent from lifting. I want my knees worn out from kneeling. I want my legs sore from walking. I want my eyes blind from searching. I want my voice weak from speaking. I mean, what an awesome way to die. I don't want to quit when I'm almost there. I want to be able to say, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Like Psalm 92.12 said, I want to be like a cedar of Lebanon. I don't want God to cut me down because I've started to rot. I want God to cut me down because I've grown so well that my branches reach so far, my roots run so deep, my leaves use so much energy for his glory that God can say that tree 
has made so much room in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the vines, in the middle of the weeds, in the middle of the briars, that if I cut it down, five trees can grow back in its place. That that tree has carved a path for others to grow. That tree has created a legacy that can produce more than its life. So now it's time to cut it down. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18 says, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have shewed thy strength into this generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. Amen. Thanks for listening, and until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.